This episode is brought to you by Fallen Rook Publishing. Whether you're new to HEMA or you've been around the block a few times, Fallen Rook Publishing is a fantastic place to get your fencing manuals, instructional works, and interpretations of the source material. I, for one, have a battered and dog-eared copy of the German Longsword Study Guide, which I return to as my first stop for when I start looking into a particular technique. Visit fallenrookpublishing.co.uk or keithfarrell.net. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Blades for Days where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting and sword fighting from the back of a horse. Joining me today is one of the people I've had one of my best HEMA fights with, Sam Gassman. Hello. Hey bud. Hey. Good to see you. Yeah, I, I, I must apologize first for the area. This is uh, the one building where there's good internet because the... <laughs> on top of it everywhere else uh, <laughs> what is it is it like a shed pretty much yeah um it's mainly just because we've got a, like a box right there for power so right rather nicely but yeah it's also very cold hence jacket um <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's really cold here at the moment which doesn't help because i'm having to put like um not deep heat, but the opposite, deep cold, I guess, deep um, breeze uh, on my shoulder because I've got like a minor rotary cuff injury. Um, so it's really cold and I'm rubbing cold gel into my shoulder, so. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound nice. Nah, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll be all right. I'm just, uh, uh, I think I got a, a new um, Aureus uh, Feder um not that long ago oh, and yeah. decided to make a scabbard for it so i think i didn't do it in doing any kind of like fencing stuff or anything cool uh <laughs> I think what happened was i was just sawing away and like it was i don't know the repetition or the resistance or something the sad thing is i barely even scratched the surface so like i'm looking at all the work i need to do and i'm like ah shit you know i'll just i'll just get somebody else to do it i'll just buy one <laughs> So, um, yeah. how you been, man? Uh, all right. Um, trying to survive lockdown as best as possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Basically, focus on what I can do. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the last time you and I saw each other in person, you just took uh, gold for longsword in Phelanagashka. Uh, and then pretty much like a month later, I think, we went into lockdown. Yeah. So, yeah um so what have you been doing to keep yourself um well yeah that was um last year um uh, my brother set up a company here a production company um uh, trying to do like outdoor uh drama and stuff like that some like historically inspired theater stuff with horses and all that um and we first had like 2019 we got one show off people really liked it so we got booked in a bunch of other stuff for uh summer 2020 which of course was all locked down yeah. so hopefully we've got one more uh coming up but really we've just been practicing for that um because and the horses still need to eat still need to be worked so um though that's more like my brother's uh deal but 
<laughs> I'm just I just sit in saddles and tell them what to do occasionally. <laughs> um, the horses, that is, not them. They 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 all tell me what to do, and I tell the horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm all like the idea of you telling the horse what to do. Just sat in the saddle, just going, "Come on, do do your thing." <laughs> Uh, it's like the, there's an Eddie Izzard skit where it's like horse forward, forward, go on, <laughs> shoot with gun. Yeah, so about sums it up. Um, so how'd you get into that? Uh, pretty much. Um, we first got horses when uh, that was way back when we were in America, um, and um, my mum she grew up on a horse farm, or oh, just general farm uh, with horses and. Uh, she had Spanish Mustangs, which are uh, this heritage breed, uh, supposedly the first horses that came to America with the Spaniards. And genetically, it, it uh, seems to hold up. Um, and uh, these Spanish Mustangs are kind of the uh, ones that have survived after the, because the US Cavalry, when it disbanded in the 1920s, released all of its mounts just into the general horse population. Um, and ranchers tended to shoot native Mustangs. And then, so the, it's all been kind of muddled up genetically. So Spanish Mustangs are the ones that have mostly uh, survived uh, through a few bloodlines and uh, we try and keep them alive. So my mom got some uh, when we were in America just uh, as a rescue program and they've kind of just been following us all over the place. So we had horses, uh, then, we got, then we found Hema um, and there were all these like uh, mounted fencing uh, plates that looked really cool. So we just started to try them out. Um, and uh, it's been really cool to, to do all that stuff. A uh, lot of challenges because, you know, uh, swords and horses don't necessarily go together easily. But um, it's been really fun to try it all out. And now we've got uh, a few horses who are uh, really well trained. They can do all the shows and stuff. Uh, it's really, really fun. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> I know it's a bit rambly, but no, no, no. It's it's it does look great because, um, as you know, I do a lot of reenactment, and one of the major events that we do during the year is the Battle of Hastings, which is a lot of people. It's a really, really boring event for all the reenactors because the Normans come up. And, you know, and then there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a hoo-ha. They go back down again. We wait 20 minutes while all of the marshals and all of the, like, line commanders pull their thumbs out of their asses. <laughs> and the, the Norman cavalry go by. But obviously the Norman cavalry can't, like, smash into the line or anything because that would be, you'd kill people, you know? <laughs> so they basically, like, come up, swerve, run parallel to the line uh there's a bit of you know we put a show of like putting our weapons in the air and there's like a sort of, sort of a clash and then they and then they curve around and then eventually the norman infantry come back up and for whatever reason everybody in the norman infantry is just chaff right they're really really crap fighters um <laughs> And, you know, apologies if, you, if you're listening to this and you're one of the Norman infantry and you feel that that's, that's unfair. But prove me wrong, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they, they march up there, just, yeah, they're a bit naff and then they walk up. So for reenactors, it's, it's not good. But the, the guys on the horses seem to be having the time of their lives. And um, 
I mean, the, the worst thing I've ever seen is of like an accident that's almost happened is um, one of the horse, one of the horses kind of like spun around and just uh, kicked one of the guys who was standing near it. And it was a mate of mine, Al, who uh, he's he's not a, like a big guy. He's quite, you know, he's quite slender, but he's built. He's very wiry because he used to work down uh, mines. Um, you know, he's quite, he's quite an old fella now. But he just kind of like spun around. He got kicked like both barrels, you know, kicked by the horse, spun around. And I'm like, you okay? And he's like, yeah, that really hurt. <laughs> we were still standing, you know. He's like, uh, it'll take more than a horse to knock me down. But um, I was like, okay, I love the bravado, but seriously, are you okay? Because, you know, you're walking with a limp now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like um, just this summer, uh, I was an idiot and I got between two horses and got kicked just like on the elbow. Well. Um, so mostly that that's also been a fun thing. Um, kind of put my training back but um it's like it is i've got full extension again now it hurts a bit um can't do quite as much as i used to but um that'll go away in a couple of years so the doctors say so uh but yeah you just gotta remember that there's still six-year-olds in with like one-ton bodies so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a that's um, a good way of putting it. Like, yeah. yeah when we were in switzerland um I did do a bit of Roman reenactment on horseback, which was really, really fun. Um, because you've got saddles, but they haven't got any stirrups. You've got this like four pommel construction, um, which if you, if you can look it up, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, you, you've probably seen one before. But um, because without the stirrups you, and these four pommels, you actually can do more stuff than with just the stirrups, so long as your thighs will cooperate. <laughs> Because like you can hook in your if you can hook in your knee to one uh, one of these horns, then you can like lean off um, further than just a stirrup. Uh, however, your thighs will kill you the next day. And we just did three shows a day for two days. After that, I was fucking wrecked. If you had to do that for like weeks, yeah. Um, but the um, we did some stuff like. It's mostly javelin throwing with some uh, combat, but there's always the funnest part uh, at the end. When um, it was two years ago, they had they got a cataphract armor for one of the horses and a bow with some foam arrows. And it was so much fun because he was just chasing me around with this, uh, with like a stick and a shield. I was just like trying to shoot him as uh, best I could. So when you can actually do that fun stuff with uh, horses that are well trained and everything, it's really fun. But that that is kind of the problem of like safety because you need people who uh, a like know the horses because each horse is different, know what each horse is accustomed to. Uh, and can actually work with. So I've never been on an actual battlefield. It's all just like small shows. Mm. So I must imagine like, yeah, you can't really do any fun stuff because yeah. just <laughs> even even the horsemen, like they don't, they don't know the guy, uh, they probably don't know like the guy next to them, um, how much they've trained and all that. So yeah, there's, um, there's every few years uh, on I think it's like every every five years we do what's called mega hastings. So like in 2016, 
for example, we did mega hastings and there were a lot of cavalry. And so you're getting cavalry, you know, horse riders who are um, part of different societies as well. So that means you're going to have like different rules of engagement. Um, so, you know, different safety rules, different hit rules and stuff like that. And then the problem with mega hastings then is that you also get people who are uh, from other societies coming in. And I'm always a little bit dubious because I know that the people who were part of the society I'm a part of would never do this. But, you know, you never know who you might come in, you might get coming in from a different society who might like try and hit the horse or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, it's a, from, to my mind, it's a case of when, not if that'll happen because you mm. can stress it. But everybody gets that one psycho who joins up, who's like, you know, who slips through the cracks and then, you know, uh, does something irresponsible. So that's the thing for me is like I'm mega Hastings. I'm like, this is super cool. Somebody's eventually going to get trampled, though, you know, <laughs> um, which is kind of the point, you know, for like in terms of battlefields, uh, you know, applications of, of cavalry. Like, yeah, it's mobility, but like it's also... If you get your horse on top of somebody, then they're done, you know? Um, yeah. I've, I've got like very little horse riding experience. I've done, um, I've done like a few things where you go on like a, a horse trek kind of thing, but you've got somebody holding onto the reins. So I've had, you know, like um, moments in the past where I've been looking at the uh, like Fury because he talks about, you know, fighting on the back of a horse and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'd love to try this out. But it would be me and my partner slowly being led towards one another, you know, with somebody holding onto the reins, you know, while I'm holding the sword there. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. I'm going to need more experience. Um, and some of my guys are, like, really looking uh, into uh getting like horse riding lessons and stuff like that so they can get that experience i i think that's just for the pleasure of horse riding but i i think at some point they would want to apply some of the stuff that they learn from hema to it mm -hmm. um there's a guy mike who's part of my um uh, one of my students and he's like he's big into it at the moment and uh, did you watch the drain event um I meant to, but I ended up getting caught up on. Oh yeah, yeah, we um, uh, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, yeah, um, there was a bit on cavalry in that. Yeah, yeah, Arna, Arna, Arna's a, a good writer. Like, um, he, he does he does some good stuff uh, in uh, Germany. So. Yeah, yeah, he was cool. I really liked his presentation. Um, he's got this really busy wallpaper that I kind of want, <laughs> where he's giving <laughs> his talk. Um, but yeah, that was. Um, uh, that was ace. Uh, do you think that? Do you think that stuff like this, like um, Hema, cavalry Hema related stuff, do you think that's uh, going to have a quite a big place in Hema in the future? Oof. I mean, this is definitely like uh, if you want to talk about like cavalry Hema, bring Jack on at some point because um, he's the one who organized um, the Ross Fecking Symposium. In 2014, uh, in 2015, um, different ones from from Arnis, but um, we got a lot of people in, uh, or he got them in. Uh, I just like help some organizational stuff, but uh, 
and try to get some horses and just let people even just had a walk, try out some um, some of this like teaching on horses, uh, how to fight, and some elements which um, change when you're in horseback, and a lot which actually stay the same. Uh, for example, a lot of the Meisterhau that you see in Lichtenhauer, they work a lot better on horseback because you already have that forward impetus that you don't need. Like um, there's just one thing that me and Jack were talking about a few days ago, like uh, Zucken. It's kind of difficult on uh, foot because, you know, it's supposed to be like, okay, I faint, try and bring off, disengage underneath, and then stab in. But that's kind of three tempo. Like, okay, the faint action, pulling back action, and then stab. Two and a half if you're being generous. But of course, on horseback, it's really one because you just strike, faint above, pull, and then the horse will take you in anyways. So... Like stuff like that works a lot better. Zornhaut, even more so. Zwerchhaut um, still. Um, so I definitely, I definitely really like the idea of Rosfeking being a bigger thing. And there's something that you can try just on the ground just by walking towards each other and, uh, and trying these same uh, motions from the books. Um, of course, there is the main problem of you need a horse if you want to do it properly. Uh, and then... Not only do you need a horse, but you need a horse that you um, can then desensitize the swords and then actually use for this type of stuff. So if you're using a riding school horse, a lot of riding schools are really cool with it. Others are not. <laughs> um, so I know some people uh, have had that trouble of like, hey, uh, I know I'm renting a horse. Can I, can I try the sword stuff? No. <laughs> no. I know like... A bunch of people have been injured doing jumping and eventing and all this stuff, but no swords, far too dangerous. <laughs> so, but I definitely agree. Like it would be really cool if it becomes a bigger thing. And if, uh, if you know someone with horses, reach out to them, be, be chill, <laughs> but, um, uh, but just see if you can like start just on the ground, just pet them with swords do flow drills while you're in a pen with them, uh, cleaning out stalls or whatever. And then once they're chill with the swords, try some stuff slowly on horseback and just work up from there. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if there's much like good YouTube tutorials that maybe something we should look at. <laughs> Definitely, uh, I'd say it needs to be a bigger thing because it is such a big part of the historical period as well. Uh, and you have a lot of accounts of fighting on horseback, which are really interesting. Like there's one account from, oh God, what's his name? Sorry, Vivold uh, from Schaumburg. That's it, Vivold from Schaumburg, who is, um, he's, he is a uh, he's German robber knight in the 15th century. And he was, his biography was written by Ludwig von Eib, who is one of the fencing masters. So, and one of his uh, anecdotes is being ambushed by French lancers. And they said uh, they were on the road with their horses. Lancers come up, they quickly dismount and use their horses as shields because they say their horses are not trained for combat and they're not actually, and so they won't trust them to fight. So even at the time they're looking at like horses trained for combat, horses that are not trained for combat, um, all this type of stuff. Yeah, I think there's um, there's something like that in 
William Marshall's biography as well. Like he mm. talks about the fact that his horse gets taken um, when he's still kind of an up and coming, like he's barely a knight. He's his first tournament, his horse gets taken away from him. Uh, and so everyone's like, ah, you're a knight without a horse. And he's still got, you know, he's still got a horse he can use to transport himself, but it's not quite the same thing. It's not, you know, it's not a war horse, which has like very different um, training and is, you know, larger, I imagine, and probably, um, yeah, just built differently. But that was one of the things I was going to ask you is how you, how you desensitize horses to swords and the sound of swords you know um clashing because another thing that uh, i've done in reenactment is i've gone to multi-period events and we were doing uh, oh, it was a battle it was a particular battle and i took part in it um and it was it was great fun because there were cannons um everywhere and these cannons were going off and i don't know if you've ever been in the proximity of a cannon when it goes off but you feel it in your chest yeah yeah and it's just like boom like jesus you know so um that was cool and then you know you see the horses and they're just not bothered and i'm like do you like and in my mind the way they built up is you know those little caps that you get that you throw on the floor and they yeah. make a little pop is you start with that first and then you get like a cap gun and then you get <laughs> i don't know something else <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, it does pretty much work like that. Um, like if there's a period illustration, even from a 16th century French one, I don't think it's Plouvenel, but it might be, uh, where there's a horse tied up and they're just like shooting guns all around it, which is probably like the quick and dirty way. But honestly, yeah, just make, make small noises and then work your way up. Like um, especially bows are one thing that can really freak horses out depending on the horse. Um, and yeah, first just rub them down with it, show that it's just a stick. And then once they're fine with it being a stick, that's when you like put an arrow on and just pull just enough for it to pop off the string. And they're like, okay, so now it's two sticks and one stick goes a bit further than the other. Okay, cool. And then the next, and then depending on how they take it, you know, you fire over their back, you just fire under their neck, stuff like that, just slowly, slowly, slowly. And eventually, they like they ignore the twang they ignore any like it flying over between their ears they're just fine with it um so like with uh so with swords clanging yeah you just bang them against each other um and then uh eventually one thing we and uh jack did is we have like stalls on each side and we just did some sparring in between each stall and at first they were like oh fuck what's that noise what are they doing but um after a while, they were just like, okay, dinner and a show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, like I said, I really wish that I'd learned to horse ride because I grew up in the valleys and the run the valleys and there are places around there that you can learn to do it. But I just never <laughs> did it. And when Melissa and I were in uh, Kazakhstan, because I lived there for about a year, we went oh. up to the Korsai mountains and it was a really kind of bizarre place because it's just out of time. You know, uh, the, the wealthiest person there had two stories on their, on their house. <laughs> and that was like a big deal kind of thing. And it was so remote that um, by the time we 
by the time we got up there, there was, there was no road anymore. Um, so it's just this village in the middle of nowhere. And I probably shouldn't say this on the YouTube because uh, on the on the podcast, sorry, because people will be able to find me now. But if I ever killed anybody and I needed to go on the lamb, this is where I'd hide because nobody'd ever find you. You know, the only problem is I don't speak uh, Kazakh. Like I, my Russian's crap. Um, so yeah, but we were there, and there was this kid um, on. The back of a horse and he had to be like three and he's got no problem this horse is huge and he's just sat on the back of this horse like riding along no problem like his his parents had the reins um but he's just sitting on the horse like it's no like it's no thing and then you look around and you've got 10 12 year olds sat on these horses and that's how they get around you know uh and that was really cool because obviously that's you know that's the the part of the world that you think of as like being the Mongol Empire. I don't know if it was part of the Mongol Empire uh, during Genghis Khan's time, but I knew I know that like subsequent Khans like they took over that um, that part of the world and they you know it had that kind of like nomadic history to it. So it's cool that they have that connection that uh, that still ties to um, to that history. And yeah, I am kind of envious of that. But then at the same time, I hear these horror stories, like my friend Mike, um, he went horse riding for like the first time and his stirrups were too long. Um, so he just smashed his balls to pieces, <laughs> like, you know, and he got off and he's like, ah, oh, I'm in a lot of pain. And everyone was like, why didn't you say something? And he was like, I thought that's how it was supposed to go. <laughs> I just thought like, that that's something you would condition yourself <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, you can condition a lot of things. I don't think you can condition your balls. So just, just I don't know, show them your stirrups, man. <laughs> I mean, you haven't seen that, uh, what's that Chinese martial art where it's just like taking hits the balls? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have actually, yeah. So maybe, I don't know, I don't know if you want to. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure if that's something you actually want to tell. Like, hey, lady, I'm a master of being smashed in the balls okay yeah but um i will say like if yeah if you have a wrong feeling saddle or especially english saddles i generally ride with western saddles or historical ones english saddles just seem to hate the male anatomy <laughs> seem to be built like unless you're actually physically standing out of the stirrups they will find your balls and crush them um which is just, that's just my opinion against english <laughs> saddles, but very very subjective um but yeah uh like it, it at the point about uh kazakhstan and that kind of nomadic culture uh of horse riding and it is amazing and it's like thinking of like what uh riders could be if they didn't have to worry about modern life um <laughs> you know you can ride more than just like a few times a week um than thinking of, of what you could get to because some of the things that are legit in history books writers must have been able to do uh like arian's exercises um there's some uh, very good like roman uh, other roman um bits of uh anecdotes like a rider leaning off the saddle picking a guy up by his ankle carrying him over to where uh, caesar was and then throwing him at his feet 
shit like that. It's just like, how are you supposed to do that without stirrups even? Yeah. Are you like hooking with your other leg and reaching all the way off? Like, what the fuck? But yeah, if you're spending 18 hours a day on the saddle and then like just doing that uh, with a bunch of different horses and getting all that uh, experience. Yeah. Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is. It's really cool because um, I read, I've read like a few books on the Mongols and mm -hmm. there's, you know, you have these stories and yeah, okay. It's the same with, with every um, historical tale. It might grow a little bit taller each time somebody tells yeah. it, but there's this yeah. story of like uh, somebody shooting out um, Genghis Khan's horse and the horse dies underneath him, but he just leaps onto another one. And, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, how would you do that? But then, yeah, if it's like, you know, if it's something that you're on, like you get up, you know, you wake up, you get into the saddle, you know, and then you get off the saddle, you go to sleep kind of thing. Um, then, yeah, you know, you can, you can imagine that this stuff isn't that, you know, that exaggerated. Maybe it is. I don't know, but um, I, I, you know, I can I can believe it more having seen these kids riding these horses and some of the like some of the tricks that like you get some people doing. Like um, it was a crap film, but I was watching Mulan, and there's a bit <laughs> where you've got the Huns riding off, and they do this kind of they jump down onto the ground and do a backflip so that they're facing backwards on the horse so that they can shoot. <laughs> and I'm like, they did that. Somebody did that. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, I imagine that they'd be, yeah, like maybe, maybe good just getting off one horse onto another would be like low, like low key stakes by comparison. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you watch Mulan? I'm afraid no, I didn't. Um, I've seen some of the stunts, some of the stunt videos though, and yeah, it is insane what they can do. It's, um, it's an, I forget their name, but it's a Mongolian um, stunt troupe, and yeah, it's just on another level uh, what they're what they're doing there. Uh, like we're trying some just stunts here, but it'll be a while till we can do that. Uh. <laughs> I mean, like I said, when I went when I went horse riding. Um, I felt freaked out going downhill because I was going downhill and I had to lean back in the saddle and I'm like, no, nope, this is making me real uncomfortable. <laughs> so that was the stunt for me going really slow, maybe one mile an hour down a hill and just leaning back. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think that the horse riding stuff, uh, you know, I doubt, well, I mean, I say I doubt, I mean, maybe in the future, we could have like tournaments in that kind of thing in in um uh in horse riding hema uh we wouldn't be able to have it necessarily in you know a hall um i think that would probably be the line that they draw for like insurance and stuff but um yeah i think it's uh i think it's a cool thing that you guys are looking into and like you said this um this fellow who was in the on, on the drain event um I, I love stuff like that. It, it brings a whole new element into it. Um, I was talking to the Matt Easton, who's the last guy that I had on 
Um, and we were talking about, you know, using different weapons and kind of comparing them because that's something he does a lot on his channel. You know, he's got the, the, um, the Chinese weapons, the Japanese weapons, the spear. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of what we see in Hema is very much longsword v longsword or sword and buckler v sword and buckler. And, um, a lot of fun and a lot of kind of insight can be given to just picking up um, you know, random weapons and trying them against each other. And that's that's got to be doubly true when you have something like horses in, in the mix as well. Because one of the things that um, was mentioned on the drain event is that you're doing certain actions on when the horse is like rising or, you know, you, you're able to sort of get into that rhythm of knowing when the horse is kind of on the rise and on the fall. And so you do certain things on the rise and then other certain things on the fall. I think that's amazing. Um, and uh, why my idea of we just get two cyclists to, to cycle towards each other to try out the techniques <laughs> probably isn't going to work. <laughs> and um, yeah, like building in those elements of like, uh, the rising, the falling, and um, like knowing when, like, okay, if you're doing tea tea and you're trying to, like, if uh, one thing we figured out with, um, what's the word, Krumpow, is, you know, you're supposed to go like that and attack the opponent's hand. And it works really well on horseback if you're going like, okay, both are, both are uh, coming at each other. And then on a rising beat, you just tell the horse to take basically a step to the side, bringing yourself completely out of the line. And then another step, towards the inside again, afterwards you reach out and you can pretty much attack the rain hand or um, sword hand because if they're attacking you, it's really hard for them to try and pull back and uh, defend themselves. So working on uh, things like that, which are very technical and yeah, <laughs> unfortunately it is like another barrier to entry for like getting into Ross fighting. But honestly, I'd still like, we did a thing once in Swiss Gathering where basically we got, you know, these uh, gym things, like they just have like wheels on them. And you yes. them around on them. Yeah. We worked with those. Uh, and that gives even gives people an idea of like what's going on a bit. Because you can move them sideways slightly and uh, you can work on some things. Uh, and depending on how um, muscly the guy is pushing it are, you can <laughs> pull off some, uh, some more impressive feats. But... Um, and of course, it's, not, it's nothing like the real deal, but it still gives you an idea of Rosfechten. And like, that's kind of what HEMA is. You're, no, you're never going to get like 100% uh, simulation, but just getting close is really fun. So fuck it, try it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I think, I think everybody, well, I say everybody should give it a go. I mean, like, you know, the, the, what you were saying, the, the, um, they called the horses. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think everybody should give that a go because it's it's one of those things that I was looking through um, the Pisani Dorsi, and you know, I get to the back and I'm like, oh yeah, there's this like horse riding stuff that I've never looked at, and I've never looked at it because I'm like, well, I haven't got a horse. You know, I've got a motorbike, I haven't got any of these things. The closest I've got is like Roach from The Witcher. You know? and that's, that's it. Um, so I'm like, and I looked at it and I'm like, this is actually, uh, I, I looked through it 
last year during the first lockdown because I'm like, this is actually great uh, for, for me anyway, for Fury, um, which is predominantly what I study because you see the other stuff that he's talking about come into play on horseback. So one of the things that, you know, you see uh, a lot is the rear weighted guards and the way that you're engaging your core and engaging your hips and your entire body to make a certain kind of beat um, or rabatere, uh, to set aside somebody's blade and then enter. But, you know, a lot of people see it and they're like, uh, I would rather just use my arms, right? Um, because it's faster. And so it's kind of like, bump, bump, you know, uh, beat with a false edge, strike with a true edge. And it, uh, and it usually is. But then if you do start mixing up other weapons and you go, okay, well, you know, if I'm fighting somebody with a poleaxe, that's not necessarily going to be enough to, to move that poleaxe in order to yeah. enter and strike. And so when you see that then translated onto like horseback and you see he's kind of leaning and, you know, he's not necessarily using his hips in the same way because he's, you know, he's using his thighs to, um, you know, control the horse and things like that. But you'll see that, you know, that movement of, as we've been talking about, the kind of like the rise and then that rise is what's uh, transmuting that, that strike and uh, generating energy into that strike. So I had kind of a breakthrough moment looking at it, which is why I think that people should like should look at it and should maybe give it a go. Um, like I said, not necessarily on horseback yet. Um, build up to that bit. Don't just like mount a horse and go. You know, let's go. Um, how would uh, how would a medieval knight go about um, learning how to ride uh, ride a horse? Oh, uh, that's a very good question. Um... <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a, um, there's the kind of normal answer uh, that you've read in all the textbooks of course, as they were a page, they go to another night and they learn the craft from them and they come back. And from then on, it's really just kind of uh, their own, um, their own instruction. Um, because there is some stuff from the 15th century biographies, which roughly bears that out. Unfortunately, most of them kind of start when someone's 18 and already doing really cool stuff, but not how they got there. Um, but it seems to be a lot of, yes, you learn from uh, someone else, from uh, another experienced knight teaching you and from uh, on you go from there. Uh, like William Marshall, probably, uh, you read him, of course, he probably has one of the best, uh, like, origin stories in terms of that. And just like, learning how to win at tournaments. Um, uh, like his, and I think he lines out his tactic of like, you don't actually get in the scrum in the middle. That's, that's for losers. No, you want to go around the edge, like pick someone off and then drag them out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how you pay your bills. Um, so uh, the, the so long story short, um, we don't know, at least I don't know for certain um, and I don't think there's a, a particular answer, uh, especially not for the entire medieval period and certainly not for like our HEMA period. Um, but you do have a lot of mentions of cavalry from uh, cities. So, and Talhofer was a staghound. So if he was like hunting down robber knights for Nuremberg, he must've been able uh, to ride. How he learned that, eh, <laughs> that's a different story. And then there's all the questions about, were all knights uh, equally 
trained because um, if you look at Dom Duarte, who was the king of Portugal in the I think it's early 16th um, century, and he's talking about how the entire Portuguese court has just completely forgotten how to ride because they just, uh, just suffered a massive defeat from the Moors. Um, they came back uh, because under his father, uh, they were all busy. Um, under his father, things were good. Uh, then there was some the time in between when his like brother was in charge, I think. Uh, but the main problem was that for him, all the men had decided to take up tennis and ball games to impress women rather than train riding, which was the only good thing a knight should do. Uh, and this is why the Moors beat them. So he wrote this book on how to ride and how to uh, how to be a proper knight. So it's so some things like that shows that there is an element of once, especially once knights are fully grown, uh, like once once people are eighteen, they should train on their own. And there are societal society is structured, at least should be structured, so that they must train, and that the only way for them to advance is to be good riders um, rather than so rather than like a modern military structure of okay I'm going to take these five people put them through a riding course and afterwards they're going to be good riders it's like okay I'm going to give all of these noble families uh, the ability to have horses uh, say that they must have horses and then reward them if they are good riders which sometimes works not always because there's um uh, my brother's also running a podcast with some HEMA people, and um, Luis Forrester is a French academic, and he's looking at Burgundian chronicles. And there's a story of a Burgundian knight who comes to a tournament, um, and he he seems to have spent most of his time writing an elaborate backstory for the knight he was, this character he was playing of the, like, a knight from India. Um, and then he actually gets the list after handing out all these... Uh, the scripts of his character. And then he realizes that his helmet doesn't fit because he's never tried his armor on until then. So obviously that means he hasn't been training at all. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like knowing exactly how good uh, the, a knight is versus if you read Bayard's biography and even half of it is real, then Jesus, uh, he's, it's insane. But um. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just took that question. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> I like a, like a, I love a tangent. Just ask my student. Um, so yeah, I mean, first of all, with the Moors, where they're like, you know, oh, we all forgot how to how to write. I'd say that was just an excuse. They were like, nah, the only reason the Moors won is because you know we all we all fuck we all forgot how to write, right, guys? Um, I mean, but on the other hand. Like if he if he took all the trouble to like put aside statecraft to write a book about how to write afterwards, there must yeah. be something about like he must have recognized no one that is that there was a bit of a problem there of like it sounds kind of stupid like you know if, uh, if suddenly in the um, in the nineteenth century like yes and then we went to uh, India and we tried to colonize these people but um, we all forgot how to shoot our guns uh, because yeah. no one actually remembered to. Uh, uh, how to clean a gun for uh, about 10 years, and then we just lost this battle. Um, but for some reason, he, he and there's a lot of trouble to write a book like that. So something yeah. must have happened. No, 
definitely it, it's it's funny isn't it because like one of the most revolutionary things that england did when they went to war with france is that they dismounted and mm -hmm. you know they fought on foot um i think this is like henry the no and yeah it's i mean there's already they're already doing it like at um edward the third and like versus the scots and uh, yeah, yeah yeah um and so you know stuff like that you you've you know you find out about it and you're like okay you know cavalry is playing less of a role but then it comes back into play uh and it's such an integral part of our military history i mean really speaking you're looking at up until world war one cavalry is playing a role and yeah. um yeah i'm reading about the crimean war and the charge of the light brigade because i had an ancestor who was in it um and yeah he was in the uh eighth hussars uh and it's just crap man <laughs> like it's, yeah, like not not him or or the people who actually did the charge like, like that took you know that took balls of steel it's just a crap situation because you've got these two uh you've got these two lords lord cardigan and lord lucan and they're uh and they're just shitting all over their soldiers. They're like, no, 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 no. This this water here is for us. You're going to camp a mile that way next to this like brackish water source where you're all going to get dysentery and cholera and all this horrible shit. And then I'm going to get you to charge at some cannons. And you're like, like that that would not fly today. Like it, it just. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So yeah, just and then like you you hear about the stuff in World War uh, World War One and cavalry and it's just horrible, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's just funny to think of it happening at an earlier point when it was like when it was the military, uh, you know, when it was the military advantage to have cavalry, uh, mm. just to go. Well, oh, we all forgot. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's one of the funniest things about like medieval war and society because you don't have this like top down structure of we, we train people to do a thing. It's all this like bottom up. We incentivize people, we give them the resources and incentivize people, but it's up to them. Um, but uh, as far as like the uh, stupid officers um, sacrificing cavalry thing, there's one really really funny one which is the earliest one i've found uh well funny um <laughs> from uh, usama yeah, ibn yeah. yes. uh, from this guy usama ibn munkid who is a um he's a syrian he's like diary of a syrian gentleman he's his own autobiography during the second crusade i think and um he's got some friends uh in the frankish camp uh which already already some of the like just uh, outside of warfare uh, descriptions of like how Franks and Saracens interacted um, and like the differences between those two terms because he's all about he's he's very uh, he just says oh they're all Franks I don't know who exactly he was but he was just a Frank uh, and he's talking about his own side like oh yes they're the Kurds they're the Arabs they're the Turkics they're these guys they're that and he's making all these big distinctions between them then obviously the Franks aren't making any anyway back to my original point he had this um he had this uh, friend um, among the Franks, and he was telling this. This friend was telling a story about um, he was ordered uh, by his like 
uh, duke or like someone feudally above him to take this hill. And this hill was held by disciplined Saracen militia uh, with spears. And he was try- and this, his friend was trying to tell uh, his superior that we will lose all of our horses and we won't die, but all the horses will get injured and we'll lose them. And the superior just said, look, I'm paying for the horses, go take that hill. And they didn't take the hill, lost all the horses, and the superior ended up <laughs> having to shell out like a shit ton of money. Um, but so obviously um, there is like cavalry is in that really weird position because um, yes, you have all this mobility, you have this additional power, but you don't necessarily have any better way to protect it. Like, um, and a horse's design is, as a military instrument, is really badly designed because you have, like, the head out there, out front there, where you can't really protect it. Uh, You can, like, lean your shield out really far, but that's strenuous and it still doesn't fully protect the horse. Uh, The chest is, like, a really nice hole that goes straight to the heart. So just as far as if it was designed by, like, a, a... by someone like making a tank, they're just like, no, we have to throw this whole thing out. <laughs> um, but so, so it's really weird because cavalry can obviously be very, very effective, but you also see all these times, like especially uh, um, with, between the, uh, the Hundred Years' War, like where when it's used badly or used in the wrong situations, it's then just a liability. Um, yeah. I think I think part of it is has got to be you know because like you said horses are not they're fast and obviously if you've got one charging at you it's incredibly dangerous but if you've got a spear and somebody who's just like ah, I know what I'm doing you know I, I'm just kind of like uh, digs in then it's it's quite vulnerable but I, I suppose it's got to be that shock and awe thing you know and it's like with um, uh, you know. Hannibal using elephants uh the you know you see an elephant charging towards you and you're like what the fuck is that (laughs) I've never seen anything it's huge you know you'd you'd, like I would I'd run um I saw this I I saw this video on um YouTube and again it's air quotes funny uh it's this guy who just goes out and tries to hypnotize an elephant and the elephant just charges him and kills him, right? And just tramples him. And um, <laughs> and then just runs off. And I'm like, imagine if you, like, this guy must have been insane. Like, having this, you know, this, like, ton of meat coming at you. Uh, and just that, again, covered in armor with archers on the back of it. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd run. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> There are a few things I'd stick around for, right? But if I had an elephant coming at me, I'd be like, nah, I'm out. So <laughs> I imagine it would be that thing of like, if you're, you know, if you're, if you've just been kind of gang pressed into the third and, uh, and then you've got these professional warriors just like charging you down, you, you, you're not going to stand, are you? You're going to buckle <laughs> and run away. Um, so it's yeah. got to be, that's got to be a big, big part of it, you know? Like, um, and if you look at like, again, more some societal elements, like you physically, as an, as a peasant, if a knight rides by, you physically have to like 
avert your eyes, look down, and like, be as non-threatening as possible. And horses are very, very good at picking up energy and threat. So if you like start walking towards a horse and like shaking your arms and stuff, they'll run away from you most of the time. Um, but if you if you try to be as non-threatening, non then they'll recognize, oh, oh, I can bully you. Okay, because that's what they do to other horses that are non-threatening. They're like, oh, you're non-threatening? I'm gonna steal your food then because stealing food is the one thing in my life that is fun. Um, I, any horses listening, I still love you, don't worry, but <laughs> you're all bastards. Um, but yeah, so, this, so if, if these uh, medieval horses are accustomed to peasants, like, uh, being afraid of them, then they're going to naturally be more aggressive towards uh, towards infantry. And if the peasants are conditioned to be respectful and like fear knights, then they're also going to be more. Uh, they're also going to run away more easily. So, thinking of this um, like as a, as a writer now, like hmm, because, and on the, on the ground, because one time in 2015, when we're doing the second Rosfechten Symposium in France, uh, we had a little tournament thing where we had two riders uh, and five infantry on each side. And uh, it was just in a small like riding arena. And we of course going very slowly, very carefully, uh, but I was a pikeman on the ground. And of course it was an arena, so the cavalry didn't have a lot of like room to maneuver, but it wasn't that bad because as long as I could keep in formation, it was fine. They couldn't really, there was no danger of them charging because that, to be fair, that would have been really, really dangerous for everyone involved. Um, so you can just then, and especially because if you know how horses move, then you can tell like what direction they're going to move as well. So with that information, you can then just pop out of formation hit someone when you know that they're not gonna be able to, uh, to hit you back. Um, on the other hand, we also did another drill uh, of Pietramonte's advice versus cavalrymen, which seems to just be like, have some balls. And if you're in full plate, you're probably going to be fine because even if the horse steps on you, it's full plate. As long as they don't like lean in, it'll be grand. Um, and then you just stab the horse's stomach. You just have to have some balls. Um, that's a direct quote from Pietro Monti. Uh, <laughs> not quite. Yeah. <laughs> would Prendergast would hit me with a stick. Um, but <laughs> but when we did that drill, uh, we had two cavalry with lances and full armor, and that's very different situation. If you're alone, and you've got cavalry with uh, like who can work together on boxing you in. Really, Pietro Monti's advice is to throw yourself on the ground. And that's the only thing you can do if someone's coming at you with a lance and full armor. Because honestly, even if you have your own spear, you're not... <laughs> yeah, you, you're not going to bet on taking down the rider or the horse. Uh, obviously, we couldn't, we couldn't simulate taking down the horse in any way. But you're not going to bet that you can hit the, hit the rider first and block the, block the incoming lance. Especially if there are two. Because... Sure, you might get the first, the second one's gonna kill you. Um, yeah, which like, you know, you get the, the ranks stacked up and that's kind of a thing, isn't it? That you see yeah, yeah. Uh, throughout history. It's like, oh, if we have one really thin line, that's no good. But if we just get loads of people yeah, exactly. back a bit. But um, 
one one thing that I read, which I think is really interesting, and it was kind of like it it was true up until again, you know, First World War ish, and it's to do with what you were saying about the the peasants and nobility, and you know, you got nobility up on a horse, um, and uh, you know, peasants down on the ground, and they're kind of they're showing deference to the you know the um, their another air quotes betters kind of thing, but it um i can't remember where i read it but it's it said that it must have seemed like they the officers uh, or you know the nobility were like a different race almost because their diet like they're eating well throughout the year um you know it doesn't um you know it doesn't matter what happens to the the peasants like the 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 nobility is eating well um yeah but not not necessarily, you know, that's not necessarily true of the the peasants who can't necessarily just eat meat or anything like that throughout the year. And so there would have been this almost like uh, like a difference in size, difference in uh, difference in strength. And so it would have almost seemed like a different. They would have been a different race. So yeah, combine that idea um, with having armor which is you know if you've if you've ever seen anybody in full plate and they're coming at you and like there's there's no way of sparring with somebody in plate accurately because yeah. the the reality is like the, you know the, the people who had plate would be training with it more um you you know they they'd be more kind of like um used to moving in it and things like that and then but like if you if you imagine uh fighting somebody in full plate armor and you've got nothing um it's fun when you're doing it hema style where you're like ah poke i'm gonna back away and i'm just gonna dodge you i you wouldn't have the guts to do it uh in reality because this guy's just gonna cut you down you know so yeah i think um i think playing around with stuff like that and then you know bringing it back into the the hema scope the the framework of what we're trying to do and like trying to recreate everything um i think it's really exciting like i i can't wait to see what you guys come up with in like you know a few years obviously pandemic once that's once once we're fucking done with this shit <laughs> yeah. you know go back to go back to doing stuff again normally um i know pre-pandemic pre uh, so sorry i didn't like no 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 please uh, but like uh, pre-pandemic um we did get a few people over because we wanted to do this like um i guess rostfechten vacation thing um where you can come over and like we'll book a weekend or whatever to just put you through some basics of putting you on a horse uh, it's already been trained so you don't have to like work on that and just like go up from at least walk to hopefully a canter and just see, give you an idea of what it looks like and um that's one thing that we did with a few people, but um, yeah, then uh, pandemic hit and we needed to train for shows, so we kind of lost time. But hell, after the pandemic's over, you've got spare beds and all this shit around here. So <laughs> we, we want we want to bring more people in um, and like make this bigger. So and if you're in Wales, just across the pond. I know, right? I need to come back to, uh, I need to, come back to Ireland because I always have a good time in Ireland anyway. 
Um, I'm actually coming. I'm supposed to come across to Ireland later this year for my cousin's wedding, and I fucking hate weddings. Um, I, <laughs> I get really bored because it's a bunch of people talking about like I'm. I don't know what's going on. Like the best man <laughs> up and he starts talking. I don't know who this guy is. You know, he's talking about some story that he and the the groom went through. I barely know the groom. You know, um, so I'm usually there. I'm bored out of my mind. I'm sat at a table. Okay, I've got Melissa. That's great. And then I'm at a table with like a bunch of people i don't know um ah, it just pisses me off so <laughs> i like my <laughs> wedding i enjoyed my wedding, but um yeah so anyway i gotta go to this wedding in ireland um and i'm wondering if i can like slip away and just like hopefully you know if the if the pandemic is eased because it's later in the year i think i can't remember when it is it's june maybe or whatever yeah, but june. yeah i can like i can slip away and then, like, I can come see you guys. Uh, I want to hang out with the Cork Blade Masters because they're good fun. They're yeah, great. yeah. Uh, I want to hang out with Emmett, um, uh, Emmett Byrne. Uh, yeah, just uh, like, yeah, I'll come back to Ireland. I'd, like, Ireland's a good time. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit um, about Force of Virtue, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. You can't see it, but I am currently flourishing a project that has not yet been made. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, one thing, yeah, that's been kind of keeping me busy um, over all this is uh, Force of Virtue, which is a game that me and my brother have been designing uh, about simulating 15th century uh, skirmish combat between mercenary groups. So because it's one thing that definitely happened, but we don't have a ton of sources about, so it's perfect for putting a game in um because we we're we're not dictated about you know we we have to include the stuff we just put stuff in that's really nice uh but yeah it's meant to simulate uh like early italian wars so going up to about 1515 to uh you can go as early as uh like 1370s with it but um it's mainly focused on the four virtues uh, fiori's four virtues which um of course are you know, prudence, audaciousness, uh, fortitude, and I'm blanking claritas, speed. Um, <laughs> I list them so often, I should know them by heart. But yeah, you basically have commanders uh, who use those virtues uh, to lead their men. So it's, uh, I think, uh, I hope you enjoyed your playtest of it. Um, I really enjoyed and... it, yeah. I crushed yeah. Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're listening, I was lucky. It was beginner's luck. But it, I did. <laughs> I did. I crushed him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's uh, we're we're currently doing a lot of play tests. Uh, we've got it set up online because we can't play in Meat Space because of the thing. So that we sh I won't mention it any further. The, the C thing. But um, yeah. Uh, so we're just looking at because I know I'm explaining this horribly, but you you. It's meant to be more um, role playing, more have more narrative and role playing in it than your standard like forty k roll up with an army and, and smack the other person. So you build. So it's focused on building your mercenary company, and your four virtues will affect how your company fights in the field. Will affect uh, how it moves, uh, how it shoots, all this type of stuff. So um, when you when you build your force and you pick your virtues, you'll also add on some. Um, some different cards. For example, the French uh, cards are all about honor, and I've 
literally just gone through Bayard's biography and taken a bunch of anecdotes <laughs> um, and put cards to them for its different special effects. Um, like for the Condottieri, uh, I've done some similar stuff uh, with some biographies there, like with uh, Cellini. And um, rather than having to design your force via points, you can just take some cards from the deck. Uh, you, you agree with your opponent how many cards you're playing to, and you'll uh, just take that many. Uh, and the cards will tell you how many models you should take. Uh, so it's a bit more. It should be a bit more easy to pick up than a lot of other war games, uh, but still with enough depth there between the um, all the different effects and virtues for people who already um, already are interested. Yeah, I've mentioned it to uh, my students because I played it oh. with you oh, yeah. uh, Wednesday, wasn't it? It was just before movie night. Um, and I had a great time of it, so I mentioned it to those guys. And I play um, an RPG with a lot of my students on Sundays. So Sunday, Wednesday's movie night and Sunday is <laughs> RPG night. Because um, <laughs> my students have turned me into a nerd. I was cool. <laughs> I was cool before I started the academy. Right? Um, <laughs> that's a complete... Ass. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually right. Okay, so I actually did turn 30 before I played Dungeons & Dragons. Right? <laughs> I was like, ah, this is the final fucking nail in my, in my nerd coffin. But... <laughs> And I like I had the time of my life. I was like, why did I resist this for so long? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I started playing. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. So it's Ben, um, one of my guys who who is the uh, who's the DM, and it's yeah, it's great fun. And so I mentioned it to them because they'd be well up for it. Um, mm -hmm. I think because Ben and I actually talked about a similar kind of idea, but it was mainly because my, um, what we used to do before lockdown is we used to do a lot of uh, unit combat stuff um, because I did reenactment. So I was yeah. like, really fun. I want to bring this into what I do in the, in the classes. And so we would literally do it um, uh, once or twice a week. And uh, then um, and then obviously lockdown. So I was like, how can I keep trying to like teach people how to think, um, how to think about this stuff on a bigger scale than just the one-to-one -one stuff. And so Ben and I had this idea of something that we tried to do and we tried it out once, but it was still, it was a bit clunky. So, um, I think that what you're doing, I thought it was really fun. Um, it, by the end of it, I knew what I was doing. I didn't initially, um, mainly because you kept cutting out a little bit. So you're like, okay, it's really, <laughs> it's really important that you just remember this one fact. <laughs> I was like, oh no, that sounds. <laughs> so you and I are looking at each other, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Yes, you must place the seventh seal before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, that's that's why we moved our internet like haven out here. Um, so hopefully, less cutting out. Um, but yeah, um, because honestly, with design, yeah, it's just moving through the clunkiness. Because we first came up with this idea, I I think it was like six or seven years ago. Um, just because we started playing Warhammer uh, with like 
Lego and Playmobil and bits of shit that we had lying around from our childhood. And <laughs> then we just, we, then we just thought, hmm, we actually got some models from like, before, uh, like 15th century models for Christmas. So we thought, hmm, we should maybe just make a system for them. So we just took Warhammer mechanics and just played it with them. And then we thought, hmm, this is actually pretty shit. Let's make this better. <laughs> and um, it's, it's like an on and off process, just mostly off, uh, just ripping bits out, putting new bits in until eventually we've gotten this entirely different, well, mostly different game. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm uh, interested to see what people do with it because we've, you've designed all these, uh, all these cards and stuff, but we don't have that much time to actually play it. So if more, the more play we get, the more we can uh, kind of look at what the game's doing and uh, then respond to it. Um, because designing in a vacuum is always a bit dangerous. But um, yeah, if for anyone listening, if you want to reach out to me on Facebook, I'll stick you in a playtester group, um, give you a game. We've got this like tutorial mission uh, thing set up. So if you want to, you can jump into a full game. Uh, just we can give you the rule book and you start playing it, or we can give you like a, a structured playtest where we like run you through it. Um, because uh, with lockdown, I mean, I haven't got much else to do aside from university. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Like, uh, cause you've sent me the rule book. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, talk uh talk it through with melissa as well because my wife is really good at reading the the fine print so whenever i play like magic the gathering or anything with her uh i'll go to play a card and i'm like okay i'm just gonna play this card and like the card i'm you know if i'm summoning an animal or something to fight for me <laughs> and it's like a level one fish you know, <laughs> it can't do anything. Uh, it's just there flapping around, like struggling. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, you've summoned that. So if you read the small print here, it means that I can summon this level 20 Goliath. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's always the small print, which is just like, it's this really tiny detail that I've overlooked that 99% of people will overlook, but she's picked up on it and she like, and she's like, no, 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 you can't do that because if you do that, then I do this. And I'm like, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get away with anything. And I, I definitely lose. And I'm like, I like it. If I'm not in the right frame of mind, I hate losing. <laughs> I could do it 99% of the time. I could do it with grace, but every now and again, I'm like, I really wanted to fucking win this one. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> tough shit so yeah. um uh so i'm gonna talk i'm gonna talk to her about it we'll uh we'll probably uh we'll probably get involved again um like i said with some of my students too uh because i i i enjoyed it i thought it was great and the thing that i find with games like this is that there's a really good chance that people will kind of do peripheral learning. Um, and what I mean by that is like, if you, you know, if you play something like Assassin's Creed 2, um, there's like, obviously a lot of it is kind of um, fantasy, but then there are events that they, you know, that they touch upon and then there are characters that they kind of bring into it that you're like, Wait, was that was that person real? And then you look into it, and you're like, "Hey, that person was that that person was real." And then that's kind of like 
like a really good kind of rabbit hole for people to um, for people to go down. Um, you know, and I think that if you get games like this where you get people almost learning things by accident, you know. Um, so the you know I, I'm pulling a name out of my uh, out of my ass here, but like if you if you included like John Hawkwood for example as a character in it, and uh, and then you're like oh this person this person was real and they you know and they did this and this, and then you get people kind of like learning learning this stuff in the periphery, and that's that's great. I think that's a really uh, cool byproduct that you can get from games like this that actually have a grounding in history as opposed to Warhammer, which, I mean, if you're into Warhammer, that's absolutely fine. Like I know people who are really into it, but then they talk to me about the, the politics of what's like the, the really nitty gritty politics of Warhammer 40K or whatever, or, 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 you know, the original. And I'm like, you don't even know who your MP is. But you know, you know, you know all of this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, about John Hawkwood. Sorry, before I forget this, um, he was at, he one of his um, fights was actually one of the reasons that one of the things that spawned uh, Force of Virtue because oh, that's like, cool. But it was front stage because there's actually a um, an account of his fighting of him fighting. Uh, think Verona or something, and it's these this Veronese uh, like shield wall essentially. Guys with pavises just walking across uh, a field towards uh, Hawkwood's mercenaries on a hill with their uh, longbows, and they're they're very much outnumbered. But they suppress the uh, they suppress the shield wall. Shield wall tightens up, and then Hawkwood himself with some uh, knights come around the end, capture the banner, take it away with them. And the shield wall just decides to, you know, fuck it. Banner's <laughs> been taken. We're fucked off now. Um, which, like, no other war game that I've seen can really simulate. It's just like, okay, the banner's been taken out. Okay, everyone else is just like, nah, fuck it, we're out. But that's one thing that Force of Virtue, like, they can actually do. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think introducing things like that is great. We we played a game. Mm. Um, this was. Uh, few years back doesn't matter when but we played a game with the bike society and it was like um 150 aside and it was broken into units of uh three units of 50 and each one had a banner and each one had a um a guy you know a, a leader um <clears throat> and what was uh, what happened was if you managed to take the banner that unit had to stop they couldn't advance any further um they could retreat but they could like so they could fall back they you know it could be a fighting retreat but they couldn't advance um and then if you took out their commander then anybody who wasn't wearing chain you know mail or chain mail uh for <laughs> for uh, <laughs> layman um it meant that those guys uh, anybody who wasn't wearing chain had to run uh, so they had to just like flee the field or just drop down dead or whatever or just get just get out of there and the people in uh, the people in chain, even if you still had your banner, could neither advance nor retreat because they had to protect the body of their liege lord. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it was great fun. Um, the only problem was, again, it was a mixed it was a mixed uh, event. So we had people from different societies, and the guys that we were with. Um, so it was me and a bunch of friends of mine. 
uh, and we were part of a unit within this larger unit from another society. And I don't know how we got stuck with these guys because they sucked. They just started, <laughs> they started like charging in. Um, and it was like this, you know, it wasn't like a, 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 a shield wall kind of advancing uh, quickly as one unit. It was just this mad kind of barbarian style charge. <laughs> and they just got torn to shreds. And then there's the the four, uh, I think it's the four of us that just kind of stood there looking at each other going, what the fuck was that? So we decided, <laughs> all right, screw this. We're going to flank, right? Uh, and so we just like snuck around the side and managed to kind of do a hawkward, really. We just like took the banner and ran off. <laughs> And banners are like deceptively heavy as well because they keep getting like caught in the wind and, you know, they have to support a big flag. So I've got a hold of this banner and I'm running away and I keep tripping on it and it keeps getting <laughs> on the floor. Um, but it was a great, it was like, it was great fun. And we did that, like, we did that for like the whole day. And then as far as I'm aware, we never played that game again, like in the society. And I'm like, why aren't we doing that? That was, that was yeah. great. Um, so yeah, I I love um, I love little elements like that because one of my favorite episodes of uh, Sharp is when he's go it's Sharp's eagle and he's going after the banner. You know, um, yeah, it's such a big deal. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's so jealous because melee combat is one thing that I miss so much because I mean Hema is all about the duel and duels are really fun, but when we back when we were kids we just made like shitty swords out of uh foam and plastic and it was so much fun just to like go out into a field and hit each other for hours yeah. um and that's one thing i miss so much because unfortunately with halls and stuff i guess there's just not enough room uh for like a good melee but yeah ugh. it's it is it's a, it's a whole different ball game and it really does widen your vision because you start, you, you know, like you start thinking about the person in front of you who's just in front of you the whole time. Um, and like, you know, where are their weaknesses? Where is this? And you can get that. Like you get a lot of people who just kind of go, okay, like we're just going to have uh, 5v5 and it's five one-on-one -on -one fights um, basically until one person goes down and then whoever's left just kind of closes down the rest. Yeah. Um, but when you get when you get a group who's just really good at fighting together, um, and so they're not just thinking, okay, how can I beat the person in front of me? They're also thinking, how can I defend the two people either side of me? Then you end up um, you end up with this group. They don't like they step forward as one, right? You don't get people who are like overreaching and exposing themselves and stuff like that. And it can yeah. be it can be quite frustrating. Because one of the things that you have to learn quite quickly is, okay, I might not be the one who's going for the going for the strike. I might just be the guy who's defending the guy next to me because the guy next to me, um, you know, the, if I've got like the guy on my right, the girl on my left, they're the ones going for the hits, and all I'm doing is keeping them safe. Um, and that, you know, that can be that can be frustrating at the start, but then you realize that. Um, Oh no! Actually, that's like the main thing. That's the main job. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise, you just smash into each other and it's done. You know. <laughs> but uh, no, Force of Virtue was great fun. I really enjoyed it, and I think that the you know the elements that were there, um, because it wasn't just kind of 
soldiers v soldiers you had the you know you had the commanders and one of my knights just died immediately and, <laughs> like you know that was good fun and that made me think of um going back to uh going back to horses a little bit there's uh this during the third crusade the holy roman emperor um I, his name escapes my memory uh right now but he was coming and uh saladin had heard of him and everybody'd heard of him and they're like oh shit this guy's coming oh man he means business he's like you know he's a real badass he's you know proven in battle <laughs> you know his name is like echoed throughout the military medieval world kind of thing and then uh on his way on his way to um israel to uh, to jerusalem his horse like in a river his horse like throws him and he drowns in the river like in his own <laughs> and, uh, and, it's, and it wasn't even that big a river either it's just kind of like so i think when you get stuff like that like my knight dying immediately like running onto a spear point um when you get elements like uh the banner being taken and the and, and everybody going fuck this the banner's gone what are we going to do without that i love shit like that because that's you know that's what military history is pretty much all all about uh, you get some people who are lucky and you get some people who are just really really unlucky <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and um, that's a that's a funny thing. Like, there's a friend of ours, um, Paul uh, Paul Reck, who helped helped us playtest it, and he builds a force which is like has a lot of dudes, like a lot of really cool toys, but doesn't have much virtue, so it doesn't have that that much morale to stick around and really fight with the enemy. But we have a mechanic where if uh, most of your force survives, you can still get a card. You can still like expand your deck and expand your your mercenary force. So what he does is like he rushes in, tries to overwhelm the enemy. If it doesn't work, he loses like maybe one, two dudes. The rest of them just like then fuck off. But they still actually do pretty well as a mercenary force because they, they keep growing a bit and they keep earning money uh, because most of them still end up, end up uh, living at the end of the day. Whereas I play like a very high virtue force. They like train for like ages. They'll stick around to the last man if they want to. But if they do then they're pretty much done. That's the end of the mercenary company because most of them are dead. Yeah. Um, they, they can keep like fighting and stuff because we don't have like a punishment mechanic for, you know, like Mordheim does where if, you know, you lose your force, that's it. Or you lose dudes, that's it. You'll get them back. But you just don't grow like other mercenary companies do because everyone died. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can get involved with helping you out with force and virtue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we don't have an official website uh, up yet, but if you just look for Samuel Gassman on Facebook, get in touch with me. Uh, we have a playtesting group as well. If you look for Force of Virtue playtesters, you'll find that as well. Um, so if you want to join that, hop on. Um, and we'll get in touch, see if you want to try that out. Uh, also, if you want to come to Ireland and get stabbed on a horse, Maybe also contact us. Um, <laughs> well, of course, don't bring don't bring the sea thing, but you know, yeah. be grand after June. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, inviting me on this. This was really fun. And, yeah, it was uh, great, man. Um, like I said, well, uh, what about if people want to find uh, Goat's Head, your Hema 
group. Oh, yes, it's school and all that. Yeah, Derp. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've kind of just been talking about myself and all that shit. So uh, we're part of, we're part of Goat's, Head, uh, Goat's Head Historical Fencing, and we were um, uh, Hema Academy trying to, um, most, mostly doing KDF stuff, 15th century here in Wexford. Um, Paul Reck is the uh, main instructor uh, we help out. And um, we're also looking to expand into stunts and uh, fencing on horseback. So yeah, if you want to, if you're ever near Wexford, um, give us a ring and 